Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about this message, New Season, Same God. What I mean by new season is that each and every day is a new day for us. Amen? The, the plan that God has for our life is written out before the courts of heaven and, and the Lord has ordained our days. Amen? But as we take steps of faith, as we walk in our, uh, in our relationship with the Lord, as he guides us and as he leads us, he takes us into new seasons. Amen? It's not always the same old, same old. It's not just a repeat of history, but it's the Lord actually taking us day by day. And over the last, you know, several weeks, we've been learning uh, several different things. And, and tonight, I want to continue and, and just get straight into the word because I believe that the Lord wants to cross each and every one of us over into his promises. Amen? How many of you know the Bible, what the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11? Who knows that verse? Does anybody know Jeremiah 29, 11? What does it say? For I know the plans, yeah, that I have for you, says the Lord. Their plans to what? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their, plans, their plans to bring us into the blessing, the prosperity, the safety, the, the, the protection, the everything of God. The Lord's plans are not to harm us. Amen. Their plans for good and not for evil. Amen. And their plans to lead us into that place of blessing and prosperity. Amen. Now, this is not going to be a blessing and prosperity gospel message, just so you know. But what I am trying to say is this, is that there is something that the Lord has placed uh, between us and I believe our next blessing. There's something that the Lord has always placed between us and the next season that we want to step into. How many of you are praying for something to happen in your life? Uh, raise your hand if you got a prayer request before God. Amen. That could be a new season of ministry. It could be a new season, a new relationship. It could be, you know, a new job. It could be something that you're asking the Lord for and you've been petitioning God. And in your prayer time, as you've been asking the Lord, the Lord desires to give it to you. But there's a key that will unlock the door to your next season. Amen. There's things that the Lord will require of our life and he will require of us before he allows us to cross the threshold of the next season. And this key that I'm about to give you is something that you've probably heard in almost every message of every sermon that has ever been preached from this pulpit. You might be saying... Pastor Duke, what could this be? Number one is this. Write this down. Obedience to the Lord is the threshold to the next season of our life. Obedience to the Lord is the threshold to the next season of our life. A threshold is something that is a dividing line if you've ever, you know, walked from one room to another, you might see this little, like, board on the ground or this little kind of thing on the ground and that thing that you step on that makes noise or whatever. And that is a threshold. What it's doing is it's dividing two spaces, right? It's dividing the living room from your bedroom or the kitchen from the bathroom or, or whatever. But it's, it's, it's this division that is, that is on the ground. It's put in place to separate one from another, and I believe that it's the same, you know, in the spirit that there's a threshold that stands before each and every one of us. That is a, a dividing line that we must use to cross over. If you remember in scripture, and we're going to talk about this in a second, the dividing line for those uh, Israelites, the children of God, was the Jordan River. Amen? That was the threshold. That was the place that they were going to have to cross over, that the Lord was going to have to make a way for them to get to the other side. And there was a key for them to embrace. There was something that they needed to do in order for them to see the fulfillment of the promises of God. Because listen, God is able to fulfill his promises. Amen. 
The Lord is more than able to fulfill his promises. Here's the deal, though. The deal is always that if we want to see the promise of God in our life, we have to be obedient to the last thing that he told us. We have to walk in obedience and we have to walk by the strength and the power of the living God in obedience to his word. Because if we do not obey, then we cannot find ourselves crossing over that threshold into the land or into the place that the Lord has promised for our life. And so the Israelites, they were promised an exodus from their former slavery in Egypt to God's promised land in Canaan. They were given this promise, and guess what? There was a journey that they were about to take. How many of you are on a journey with the Lord? Amen? We're all on a journey right now. We're all going somewhere in the Lord. And so we see in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 9, it says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. That was the oppression of the Egyptians. He said, I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty axe of judgment. He said, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He said, I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Verse 9 says, and Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and their cruel bondage. And so we see quickly here a, a glimpse into the attitude that the Israelites had. They were just given a promise of God and they were given this opportunity to receive what the Lord wanted to give to their lives, but their hearts disobeyed because of discouragement and despair. A lot of times we stop short in our faith because of the things that the enemy uses to weigh us down. We want to believe for that promise because it sounds nice when we first hear it. It sounds beautiful and awesome when, when the Lord just, you know, releases that word over your life. And you say, Lord, I, I can't wait to step in to the promises that you have for me. I can't wait, oh God, to step into the season that you have for me next. But the moment that you hear a promise of God, the enemy will counterattack and he will say everything that he can possibly to discourage your life from pursuing the Lord in faith. It doesn't matter what it is that you're believing God for. It doesn't matter what it is that you are trusting the Lord for. The enemy will attack you. And just like for these people of God, the Bible says they did not listen to Moses because of their, their, their discouragement and their cruel bondage. They didn't want to listen. They said, man, we still got chains on our arms. We still have, you know, chains tied to our ankles, Moses. How is this a promise? How is this something that, that we're going to see happen in our life? And what happened was the enemy discouraged their hearts. And what happened as a result of their discouragement is they did not listen. A lot of times we do not listen to the Lord because we get discouraged. We do not see how it's possible. We do not see how the Lord can make a way. We do not fathom in our mind how God could, could come up with this great plan to, to get us into his promises. And so we see that they disobeyed the Lord. And many times in scripture do we find that the Israelites, God's people, they complained. And they desired their captivity. And they discredited the Lord because they were now in a season that they didn't want. How many of you remember if you've read the book of Exodus or you've read the book of Leviticus, you see time after time after time, the people of God, they're just complaining. Like, man, we're out here in the desert. It was so much better in slavery. It was so much nicer. We had three meals a day. We had food on, on the table. You know what? My wrists hurt because of the chains, but guess what? I had three meals a day, and now I'm out in the wilderness. Now I have to trust you, God, to send fire from the heavens to warm me at night. Now I have to trust, God, that, that you're going to just gush water out of a rock for my life. And they complained, and they complained, and they complained. And they got tired of eating the same manna, so the Lord sent, you know, quail and sent all these birds into the land so that they could have their fill. And they even complained about that. 
Something that the enemy wants to do in your life and in my life is wear you out in the waiting. He wants to wear you out in discouragement in that season of waiting because if he knows that he can just get you a little off the mark, then you can miss everything the Lord has for you. You can miss everything that God has in store for your life. And many times we too, we are transitioned into seasons that we don't desire. We're sometimes, you know, faced with things and we're sometimes step into things that we don't exactly desire. We say, oh God, I want you to use me for your honoring, for your glory. And the Lord begins to break you down. You say, Lord, this isn't exactly uh, the way I thought it was going to go. I thought we were just going to like, you know, ascend to this beautiful place. And the Lord's like, no, no, no. I have to break you in order to build you. And as I build you, then you'll see my glory. Leviticus 25, uh, 26, rather, in verse 1 says this. He said, do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourselves. And do not place a carved stone in your land or bow down before it. He says, I am the Lord your God. He said, observe my Sabbath and have reverence for my sanctuary. He says, I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees and you're careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season. And the ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest. And the grape harvest will continue until planting. And you will eat all the food that you want and live in the safety in your land. Did you know that the Lord's people had issues with idols? The Lord's people had issues with idols, graven images, and gods that ultimately took their place of worship. Gods that took a place in their heart and in their life that robbed them of worshiping the living God. And the idols took them from true worship in the sanctuary of the Lord and took them much from his house like they do today. You see, a lot of times there's people that are challenged in their hearts. We're challenged with the things that the enemy places as distractions in our heart. What do those things look like? Sometimes they look like, you know, musicians or bands or artists or TV shows, movies, superstars, you know, internet access, being on social sites, gathering with friends, jobs, professions, careers, athletes, teams, all these things. What are they? Ultimately, all these things, if they take more of your time than you offer to God, they've become an idol in your life. They become something that has taken the place of the Lord in your life. Amen. And how many of you know that the Lord doesn't like being second place in the life of anybody? The Bible says to seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness. We seek him and him alone. All the things that this world would want to put in our way to be things to be sought after must come second. Amen. They must always come second. And so the result of, of seeking after things that the enemy has used as a seed to rob us of our worship is it will take you from worshiping God. It will take you from living in the house of God. It will take you and distract and divide your heart. And did you know that a distracted or divided heart, it cannot offer the Lord true and proper worship? A heart that is divided, a heart that is distracted is not offering the Lord true worship. For Romans 12, 2 says that our whole body is to be presented to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Everything in you. That means that, that there can't be a part of you that isn't fully for the Lord. That all of us must be for the Lord in that moment so that we are holy and acceptable to the Lord. But the scripture teaches us what obedience to the Lord does and what it results in. What did he say in the scripture of Leviticus? He said, when they obey God, you will receive rain in its season. What does that mean? That means that you will receive a refreshing in times of weakness. How many of you are thankful for the Lord that he refreshes your spirit, amen, when you can't go anymore, amen? Those times where you're too worn out and you're tired, the Spirit of God breathes life into you and He refreshes your soul, amen? You'll receive rain in its season. That is an outpour of the Holy Spirit. That is peace. That is the cleansing of heaven over your life. You'll also receive a harvest of your seed. That means that you will reap a product from what you are sowing. 
The Lord will bless your life because of what you have planted. When you serve the Lord, you are planting seeds. Did you know that? When you serve the, the living God and you are worshiping the Lord, you are planting seeds and the Lord takes those seeds and he, he's the one that causes them to grow. The Bible says some water, some sow, but the Lord brings the increase. And we don't see it and we don't always know when or how the Lord's going to bring increase of blessing in our life. But the Lord will bring a blessing. You will reap what you have sown. Your threshing will continue. That means that an abundance of the Lord's blessing will be able to be churned up in your life on a day after day basis. It even goes on to say you'll eat all the food that you want. Amen. That's a good one. How many of you want to eat all the food that you want? Yeah, that's good. I told my wife today, I, I, I was on my way home, and, and she made me some lunch, and, and I, said, uh, I said, what do we have, like, like at home? I'm, I'm, like, really hungry. And I've been kind of on this habit where I eat at, like, 2 p.m. That's, like, pretty much my lunchtime now, 2, 2.30. I was starving. I said, what do we have? And she's like, oh, we have, like, enchiladas. And I was like, okay, well, make me, like, a lot. Like, I'm hungry, hungry. So I get home, and she made some enchiladas, and they were good, and they were delicious, and, and it was awesome. But the portion was like, I was like, uh, let's see what's in the pantry, you know. Like, I was looking for snacks and stuff because I was still hungry. But I love what the scripture says. It says, you'll eat all the food that you want. That means the Lord will bring you into a place of provision and overflow. Amen? That we won't lack anything. It goes on to say, you'll even live in safety. How many of you are thankful for the protection of the Lord? Amen. You know, I, I, I often think of, of how many times the Lord has, has shielded us and protected us from attacks from the enemy or just circumstances that we didn't even know were coming to, to get us. Amen. On a daily basis, the Lord is just so merciful like that, that, that he, he shields us even when we don't see the lion that's creeping up behind us. We don't even see some of those times where, you know, something's about to happen in our life, but the Lord just has assigned angels to our life, and they're there to protect us. Amen? And so God's love is unconditional, church. And we might expect the Lord to bless us, but here's the deal. Blessings are always unlocked by something that is conditional and controllable by us, and that is our obedience. That is our Obedience And quickly tonight, I want to offer you a few keys in transitioning your season. The first one is this. I want you to write this down. I'll give you permission if you didn't bring a pen or paper to use your phone or something. But write this down and, and write this. Delay does not mean denial. In the season that you are in, delay, that is a delay in time. It does not mean denial from the Lord. Amen. One of the first things that the Israelites could have been discouraged by was the amount of time it took them to reach the promised land. Amen. That could have been the biggest one that they were discouraged by because what was a three-week journey in a three-week, you know, uh, 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 distance for them to actually have to travel to, it turned into 40 years. So imagine, you know, knowing that it, it should only take you three weeks to get there. But the journey is actually 40 years long. Like they weren't even like going as fast as a snail. Like they were just like crawling to the promised land. Just edging, just slowly, you know, going and going day by day to get there. And I can imagine that, you know, they got impatient in their hearts to receive what the Lord wanted to give them. How many of you have ever been impatient? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Some of you are going to be like, yeah, I've been impatient. Patience is one of those things that the Lord actually wants to develop in our life. But in our day and age, patience is lost very quickly. And most people can never seem to find patience. That is because we've been conditioned by our society to have everything now. Right? We've been conditioned by our society. We've been conditioned by our lives to have everything now. Some of you would probably, you know, throw your telephone against the wall if it was as fast as the dial-up internet that came out when I was a kid. For those of you that remember, you, when you logged onto the internet, it used to make funny sounds and noises. And it took forever. You'd sit there for like 10 minutes, like just waiting for it to like pop up the little thing. 
And people, when they first began to use the internet, were probably incredibly, incredibly patient people. Because you had to wait. And over time, they developed technology, and their technology made things faster and, and, and quicker and more available. And so now, you can talk to your phone, and, and you can talk to that, that girl. I won't say her name, but, you know, when you talk to that girl that's on your phone, and you say her name, she, she pops up, you know, things for you, you know, in, in an instant. You don't have to wait, and then it's, it's crazy because you see on Google, and it tells you, like, that they got you the results of the answer in, like, 0.00032 seconds. And we're so conditioned now for speed and to have things and to access things at, at, a, at a rapid pace. When you get in a fast food line, some of you are not patient people. How many of you have ever been impatient in a fast food line? Raise your hand. All right, praise the Lord. This is why I always recommend going to Chick-fil-A. Nine times out of ten, they're pretty fast, all right, because they're the Lord's workers. All right, amen. And it's the Lord's chicken, just so we get that clear. But sometimes we get impatient. You might have got impatient on your way to church. You might have got impatient during worship. You might have got impatient right here and right now during this message to say, this guy is still talking. Yeah, I'm still talking. Patience is lost quickly, and society has tried to eliminate the purpose behind patience and longevity. And why is this? I believe it's because they don't care about quality anymore. They just want to get results. Do you know the quality of your food that you're served you know, at, at your restaurants and, and at the grocery store is, is probably the poorest quality food that's ever been known to mankind? It's truth. When Adam and Eve were here, everything was perfect, and, and the fruit that you would eat would make you live forever, except for that tree that they ate from. But everything is built so fast that the quality suffers, and because the quality suffers, what happens is it has a damage, and it has an effect, and it has a negative effect on your life. So they don't care about quality. They just want results. In other words, for some people, you, you think, you know what? It doesn't matter how I get this job. I'll just lie or cheat or steal my way up to the top. It doesn't matter. I just need to get there. But here's the thing. Scripture teaches us very, very differently from what the world would suggest. And I want to read to you 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. You know this verse or you've probably heard it before on like Valentine's Day and stuff like that. But it says this, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. And it is not proud. But I want to hone in on the beginning verse right there that says love is patient. There's a Greek word that is used there in 1 Corinthians 13 and 4 for patience. And it's a descriptive word. And the word figuratively actually means taking a long time to boil. That word patience means taking a long time to boil. You might be saying, Pastor Duke, what does this have to do with love? What does this have to do with patience? Think about a boiling pot of water. Think about it just for a second. What factors determine the speed at which it boils? The size of the stove? No. The pot? You know, no. The utensils might have, you know, an, an influence, but the primary factor in the intensity of the water actually becoming a boiling water is the intensity of the flame. It's the intensity of the flame underneath the pot. And so water boils quickly when the flame is turned up high, but it boils slowly when the flame is turned down low. And so this verse, if you would use your imagination with me, this scripture could be read, love is taking a long time to boil. Love is taking a long time to boil. That means this, the depth in which you love the Lord, listen to me carefully, the depth in which you love the Lord and the lengths of which you will go to please the heart of God will undoubtedly grow and stretch and bring you into a place of transformation before the Lord so that the delay can have its way in your life. 
So that the time and the season and the time that it's taken you to cross the threshold can have its intended purpose in your life. And so the Lord is actually wanting us to understand this. He's wanting us to understand that, that there's a process that's happening in your life today. And the enemy would want you to get discouraged and think, oh, well, it's just unanswered prayer. It's just, it's just taking forever, God. I'm, just, I'm getting bitter in this season. I'm getting bitter and angry in my heart in this moment. And the Lord is saying, love, hold on a second. Love is taking a long time to boil. How many of you know that, you know, when you first meet somebody, you don't just instantly love them? Amen. You didn't love me the first day you met me. And if you did, God bless you. Love is actually built through relationship. Our love and affection towards the Lord is actually built through our history with the Lord. It's actually built over time with the Lord. He first loved us, and he's given us now the ability to love him. Amen? But if we could be perfectly honest here tonight, the first day that you met Jesus and you, you told him that you loved him, it's not the same as the way that when you tell him you love him now. You see, when I tell Jesus I love him now, I've got so much history as to why I love him. I've got so many things. I've got so many seasons. I've got so many testimonies. I've got so much, you know, just hope. And I've got so many times when the Lord spoke to my life. I've got so much that when I tell him I love him, church, there's depth behind it. There's something that's bigger than just me simply uttering the words that I love him. Tim Keller said this, patience is love for the long haul. It's bearing up under difficult circumstances without giving up or giving in to bitterness. Patience means working when gratification is delayed. It means taking what life offers, even if it means suffering without lashing out. And when you're in a situation that you are troubled over or when there's a delay or pressure on you or something's not happening that you want to happen, then there's always a temptation to come to the end of your patience. And you may have well lost your patience before you're even aware of it. Think about that. Some of you have been quite patient with the Lord regarding certain things and certain promises that you have requested before the Lord. And I applaud you for that. And just because there has been a delay from something that you have desired does not mean the Lord has denied your request. Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. It says whatever he does prospers. This scripture speaks so much to me because it says to go against the world and to trust God. Amen. It says to go against everything that the world would teach us and to trust in the Lord, to trust in his word and at the proper time, that's the key. At the proper time, the fruit of your prayers and the fruit of your patience and perseverance, it will spring forth. I love how it says it will yield its fruit in season. See, you could be planted by a stream of living water, but the fruit may not bear up in your life until the appropriate time. But what do you do? You keep drinking from that well. You keep trusting the Lord. You keep rehearsing and meditating on the promises of God. You keep believing for the promise. You keep moving forward in faith. And in doing so, there will be a season where the fruit will yield forth. Maybe you've been trusting the Lord for uh, answered prayer or believing the Lord for a miracle physically, financially, or spiritually. The point is, is the integrity and the steadfast faith that you possess, even after a long-fought battle, will prove that in due time, the Lord will come through. Amen? And we must remain obedient to the Lord. Galatians 6, 9, such a powerful verse, but it said, let us not become weary 
in doing good. The doing good that the scripture is talking about is serving the Lord. It's service to the Lord. It's working for the Lord. It's, it's being about the Father's business. It said, let us not become weary in doing, you know, serving the Lord. It says, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Job chapter 42. How many of you remember the beginning of Job? How many know the story of Job? Raise your hand really quickly. Many of you know the story of Job. What happened was, was Job was, was, was tested by the enemy, and, 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 and he was, you know, the, the Lord allowed the enemy to strike Job's life with just tragedy and trial and so many things, you know, everything from the loss of his children, the loss of his business, the loss of... Of, of friends, the loss of his servants, the loss of his, his cattle, his sheep, all these things. And so when Job's life, you know, kind of, when we, when we, the scripture brings us into the life of Job and we see his life, we see that he's immediately just under this massive attack. And the whole reason that he was under attack in the first place was that the enemy basically challenged the Lord to see if Job would curse God. And at the end of having had his life flipped upside down and losing all the things that he lost, the Bible says that Job tore uh, his robe and he shaved his head. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. He said, but blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, no matter what the enemy threw at Job's life, he would still worship God. He would still honor the Lord. He would still praise God. But I want to bring us to Job 42, which is actually at the end of, of his book. And Job 42, if you can imagine with me for a second, it, it, he's endured so many things. And he's gotten so far. But it goes on to say, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. You see, we don't talk about that that often. Sometimes we think it was like, man, Job just went through some stuff and, and you know, he made it through. And then there's like, you know, 40 chapters of him complaining to the God and <laughs> getting rebuked by prophets and all these things that we read about his life. But we actually see that what he had gone through, it was actually used by the Lord. It says Job's life, the Lord blessed that latter part of his life more than the former part. It said he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. What is the point? The point was, was that because Job was obedient, because Job stayed the course with the Lord... The Lord actually opened up the floodgate of blessing in his life towards the end of his life even greater than he had had before. And I'm here to tell somebody tonight and remind your heart that the Lord is able to restore things even better than they were. You might say, Pastor Duke, I'm just hoping to get back to where I was. Listen, the Lord is able to do that and more. Amen? The Lord is not only able to get you back in good standing with him or back in a place where you're fully trusting him or back in a place where, you know, you have joy in your heart as you serve him. But the Lord is actually able to double that portion upon your life and give you even more. That the latter part of this season or the latter part of your life will be greater than the former Hebrews 12 and verse 3, Jesus is here in the scripture and it says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. All these scriptures were encouraging us to, to understand this, and that, and that is this, is that patience is more than endurance. You see, being patient and seeing the Lord through to his promise of your life is more than endurance. That is, a saint's life is in the hands of God. It's like a bow and arrow in the hands of the Lord. When, when, when there's a bow and an arrow, there's, there's this process that has to happen where you stretch the bow. How many of you, have, has anybody ever shot a bow? Oh, cool. A few of us. I've shot a bow. And they're pressured and they have a great amount of tension, like a ton of tension. So that when you pull it, like you have to pull hard. It's not just like anything. I mean, that, that little arrow is going to shoot like a million miles an hour. So when you pull it back. 
you got to use all your muscle to pull that thing. And you have to stretch it all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way back. And you and I, we're kind of like that bow. God is aiming at something that your life cannot see. He's aiming at the plans that he has for your life. And he stretches and he strains. And every now and again, the child of God says, Lord, I cannot, cannot take this anymore. Lord, I am stretched beyond limit. But the Lord does not heed what we say we want him to stop stretching. But he goes on stretching our life till his purpose is in sight. And then he lets it fly. And right now, you could be in that season of stretching. You say, Lord, I don't know how much more I can take. Just know that if the Lord is stretching you and the Lord has been pulling your life, it's because he's taking aim at his purpose for you. And he's getting ready to release you into that thing that he so desires that you would step into. But we must be patient. We must endure. Trust yourself in the hands of the Lord and maintain that relationship with him by faith in Jesus. Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. The Bible says of Jonah, I want to switch gears just for a second. This is going to lead us into our second point. The Bible says that Jonah was given a commandment to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. He was given a commandment to go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it for the sin and rebellion that they were in. And in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Whenever the Lord gives us a command, it's probably a bad idea to run from the command. Because we're talking about obedience tonight. Whenever the Lord says, this is what I am asking of your life. This is what I am calling you to. This is what I am telling you you must do. We must not do as Jonah did. It says, Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. It's probably not a good idea that the God of the universe who calls you by name and who knows your life to think that somehow we're going to be able to escape him. The Bible says that the earth is the footstool of the Lord. That means the Lord could like pick up the earth like this. It's like, hey, what's this? And at any point in time, if the Lord wants to find you, all he's got to do is look. Because he's omnipresent. What does that mean? That means he's everywhere all the time. He sees our coming, our going. He's, he, he knows our, our, our ups and downs. He knows everything about our life. And when, if we think that somehow we can hide from the purpose and the plan that God has placed upon our life, we are fooling ourselves. And the second point that I want you to write down is this. Is that even if you disobey God, just like Jonah did, Disobedience does not mean that you are deserted by God. In other words, disobedience doesn't mean that your destination has changed. It was still the plan of Jesus to use Peter one day as the apostle Peter and not just the disciple Peter, even after he denied faith in Jesus three times. And it's still the plan of God for our life that even after we've denied the Lord to his face or we've been disobedient to what we know he has said. We, we, we go back to that sin like, like the scripture says, like a dog returning to its vomit. We go back to something over and over again and we willfully disobey the Lord. It does not change the destination of your life. It means that the Lord still has a plan for your life. And just because we might have failed the Lord during a season of our life does not mean that the Lord will give up and abandon his plan for you. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, Because God has said, Never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. Never. That's a big word. But just like Jonah's disobedience caused him to be swallowed up by a great fish, sometimes our disobedience to what the Lord is asking of us will put us in undesirable circumstances. Like I said, each season is either Holy Spirit-led, self-inflicted wounds, 
or an attack from the enemy. But it's one of those three things. A self-inflicted wound is, is, is us being disobedient to what God has told us to do. And all of a sudden we, like Jonah, end up in the belly of a great fish. Had Jonah been obedient, he could have avoided being in the belly of a great fish for three days. I don't know about you, but I do not want to become some fish's dinner. It's probably not, you know, the, the most desirable thing to have to go through in your life. But Jonah had three days and three nights to change his mind. And change his mind he did. Change his mind he did. Something about his circumstance caused him to cry out to the Lord in prayer in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, from the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. <laughs> Can you picture this? This man is inside of a fish, and he's praying this. Like Jonah's not at the altar. <laughs> Jonah's not, you know, like in the prayer room with the prayer team. With the elders and the pastors and, and, you know, all the people surrounding him. Jonah is in the belly of a fish. And he says, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. If Jonah doesn't start calling for help now, Jonah is about to be completely consumed by this fish. And Jonah begins to pray. He says, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths and into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me and all your waves and your breakers swept over me. And he said, I have been banished from your sight and I will look again towards your holy temple. He says, the engulfing waters threatened me, and the deep surrounded me, and the seaweed was wrapped around my head. And it says, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. To the, it says, the earth beneath barred me in forever. He says, but you, Lord my God, you brought my life from the pit. I love that scripture. Jonah, in his time of prayer, in the middle of being in the belly of a fish, begins to declare that God is going to bring his life out of the pit. He is in the stomach of a fish because of his disobedience, but he begins to pray regardless and say, Lord, I know that you're going to deliver me from this pit. He says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. He says, so those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. He said, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. He said, what I vowed I will make good. And what I, he said, and I will say that salvation comes from the Lord. And verse 10 says, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Can I tell you, church, that... Even if you have disobeyed the Lord, you are one prayer away. You are simply one prayer away. One prayer of calling upon the Lord and saying, God, forgive me that I have sinned against you. Forgive me, oh God, if I have I failed you, God, if I have broken your heart. But the moment that you begin to pray and the moment that you begin to petition the Lord and remember all that God has done for you and the mercy that God has poured over your life, when you pray to the Lord, he will deliver you. He will deliver you. He will deliver your life. And the Bible says that he commanded this fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And the next thing that we read is Jonah is now in Nineveh. He's now in the city where the Lord had called him to in the first place. And the Bible says that Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. The Lord even allowed the Israelites to continue in the desert even though they disobeyed him. What does that mean? That means that the purpose wasn't thwarted because of disobedience, but the purpose just continued on. It didn't stop because they were rebellious. It didn't stop. The plan of God over your life has not stopped because sometimes you fail God. 
And sometimes you fall to sin and temptation. The plan of God has not stopped over your life, but it continues the moment that we call upon the Lord and we ask for the Lord to forgive our life. In other words, they were still traveling towards the promised land that God had for them, even though they had disobeyed the Lord many times. Exodus 34 and verse 8 says, Moses bowed to the ground at once and he worshiped. He said, oh Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, he said, then let the Lord go with us. He said, although this is a stiff-necked people, (laughs) although we don't obey you all the time, Lord, although we fail, he said, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. And the response of the Lord just is so beautiful. Then the Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. He said, the people that you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. He says, so obey what I command you today. I love how the Lord doesn't like make us jump through a million hoops to get back on track. Your boss might do that to you. Your friends might do that to you. Relationships that you have might might require that of you. But the Lord, the moment that, you know, Moses cried out on behalf of the people, he said, forgive our wickedness and our sin. It just take us as your inheritance. The Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you. A covenant is a promise. He begins to make a covenant with them, even though he knew that they were very capable of not keeping their end of the bargain. Even though he knew that they were probably going to disobey the next day, he still makes a covenant, and he still just encourages their life, and he still says, before all the people, I'm going to do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. See, the Israelites, they were not completely cast out of God's plan because of an act of disobedience. Amen? And neither is your life. You know, maybe we've failed the Lord during a season that God, you know, wants us to overcome. But listen, he has not abandoned us. Amen? But rather, he's shown us his grace and his mercy and how much we need it in our lives. And the the truth of the matter is this, is that the Lord wants you to just dust yourself off. He needs you to get back up and not allow the enemy to feed you lies with condemning thoughts, but rather just get up from where you are and begin to press forward. Sometimes we think that we've made so many mistakes that we're so far beyond repair or that we're so far behind in the plan that God has for our life. And listen, the Lord is simply saying, get up and press forward. Get up and move forward. Hebrews 12 and verse 10 says, Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. He said, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But it says later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The point I'm making is this. It does not mean that the Lord will promote you into the next season without obedience. But he will keep you in that same state that you are in to ensure your growth and until the lesson is learned. You see, this is a part of discipline. As parents, sometimes we give our kids the things that maybe they don't really deserve and their actions haven't proved that they deserve it yet. But sometimes we do that, and then what ends up happening is you will have a spoiled child. And the Lord's not working that way with us. The Lord is waiting, and he's saying, listen, just like the Israelites, they had to remain in the desert until they learned. And it was until they learned that they were able to cross. And finally tonight, understand what and why you are obeying. Understand what and why you are obeying in the first place. A lot of times I believe that we can overlook exactly what it is that the Lord requires of us as believers when being tested by the seasons of life that we face. 
See, the Israelites didn't understand why the Lord would want to take them from the comfort of slavery that they had been in for 430 years, only to make them travel to a land that they had never seen or experienced. They couldn't understand in their heart nor their life why God had desired them to lean on him for provision when they had been fed by the hands of their enemy for so long. And they didn't even realize that God had desired to see his plan fulfilled in their life, no matter the seasons that it would bring them through. And this is where people like the Israelites find themselves even asking the Lord, you know, things seemed better before I knew you. Or life was easier the other way without you. But the reason why the Lord requires obedience is because he knows that in order for his plan, his plans, his purpose to be fulfilled in you, then he has to take you through the necessary measures to shape you to who he desires that you become. Amen? Jeremiah 18 and verse 3, the prophet says this, So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. And so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him you see we are the marred clay we are the ones that are all out of sorts we don't look the part we can't act the part we can't fake the part and the Lord has to reform our life he has to reshape us and I love what the scripture says it says the potter begins to form it into another pot shaping it as it seemed best to him He knows what's best for us way better than we know what's best for ourselves. He knows what's best for your life, even though we'll pray for things that are completely outside of his will, thinking that it'll be good for us. He still knows best, and the Lord knows exactly what he's doing with you. And he knows exactly what he's doing with your life, and he is shaping it as it seems best to him. I ask ourselves this question before we close. Why should we lay our life down in obedience to the Lord? Why should we lay our life down in obedience? Because I must remind every single one of us tonight, Christ humbly laid his life down for you. He humbly accepted the will of the Father to bear the cross and lay his life down for the sins of this world so that all mankind could be made righteous and be made in relationship with the Father and, and once more have that relationship be mended. He wanted to restore us back to himself and restore us back into righteousness and restore us back into a holy, holy nation, church. And the willful submission and sacrifice is what brought us the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the relationship with the Lord that we now have. And so today I pray that we would always embrace obedience because it is the key to receive the blessings that the Lord alone can give you. And your obedience will lead you into the land that the Lord desires that you inherit. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.